Well, it would be fantastic if you could have that Bible reading open from Philippians. We're going to start off from uh, chapter 1, verse 27 as well. So have that ready to go as we look towards the new year and off the back of Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you that you have made yourself known to us. And we pray that as we open up your word that you would do just that. Make yourself known to us this morning. Uh, may your spirit be at work in our hearts and our lives, transforming us to see you and be more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we are now at Boxing Day. We are now in this weird state of limbo where no one's quite too sure what day of the week it is. Uh, it's Sunday, by the way. Uh, where leftovers become all sorts of new types of sandwiches that we wouldn't otherwise think to make. And what's more is that there is only five days until the new year is here. Uh, five days until people start making resolutions, new goals, a new reinvention of themselves. In fact, a study in America has shown that in gyms, 12% of all new members sign up in January, that in January, 50% of website traffic increases. But then as the year settles in, on the second Saturday of February, the trend of fast food consumption increases while the gym attendance decreases. It has been known as fall off the wagon day. It seems that people are just hanging on for a new year. But off the back of the, what we just heard over the past couple of days, off the back of Christmas, off the back of the news that God has come on earth, surely there's got to be something so much bigger or better that we could aspire to. Something of more substance than just a job promotion or hitting those fitness goals or uh, spending less time on social media. Not there's anything wrong with those things. Well, the surprising thing is that Paul doesn't urge us to greatness or to be better or even to have more knowledge. We are urged here to have a New Year's resolution to be humble, to think of others before ourselves, to do nothing out of selfish ambition, to live just as Jesus did all those years ago and then 33 years later on that cross. And so in this section of Philippians, Paul urges us to live for Jesus as one, live for Jesus with humility because he lived this way for us. So firstly, live for Jesus as one. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving for together as one, for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is of first importance. No matter if Paul can come visit them or not, uh, whether he's martyred or not, if the church is persecuted, even if there's a global pandemic, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Uh, this word to conduct means to live as a citizen. Uh, to discharge your duties as a citizen of the gospel. So whatever our lives look like, whatever our front lines are, or whether we're just at home quietly by ourselves, our lives are to be in line with that of the gospel. Because we belong to Jesus. 
Our lives have been saved by Jesus. Every part of us belongs to Jesus. Every gift that we have is because of Jesus. And so we do all of that, and we live as people who have been saved by Jesus. I wonder if you've ever been disciplined by your parents because you've acted out uh, in a way that your family wouldn't like. Uh, They might say something like, Michael, you're a calder, and calders don't do that. Well, it's the same thing for us who are followers of Jesus. Not just to live as good citizens of Australia or good family members, but as citizens and as family members of Jesus. We are Christians. We bear the name of Jesus. And the great news is that we don't do this alone. We have other citizens right alongside us every step of the way, and we have the Holy Spirit with us. We're united in the Spirit. We walk this journey together. We walk with Jesus together. And we have a mission to do as God's people together. It's not a solo effort. Because going solo is really hard work. Going solo and being alone is not fun. And even for the most introverted among us, it's exhausting and tiring. But the Christian life was never designed to be lived in this way. We are to strive as one together for the faith of the gospel, and especially in the face of opposition, which will only grow and grow. So what does this look like in practice? Well, it looks like gathering together and meeting meeting God's people together on a Sunday and supporting one another. It looks like being vulnerable with one another and being open And not just being at the surface level with each other. Small groups are a great way to go about this. It looks like having a close friend who you can talk about and and talk about your relationship with God in brutal honesty and sincerity and reading the Bible and praying together. It looks like rejoicing with someone in their joy and mourning with someone in their grief. Being one together for the sake of Jesus. So much so that when people look in on us, they see a people who are one, a community of love. And when people try and persecute us, they see us standing firm without fear because we belong to Jesus and belong to each other. Now, I freely admit that I like good coffee, so much so that before I go into cafe, I I have a look through the window. I have a look at their equipment. I see how clean the bar is. Uh, I look at the barista's skills. And then do I judge whether I should go in or run away to another venue. If Toowoomba was to peer into some bars through the window and have a look at the bar, have a look at us all in 2022, in what's going to be a challenging year for all sorts of reasons, what is Toowoomba going to see? Paul's prayer is that they would see a people who live as one, who work as one, striving for the sake of the spread of the gospel, for the growth of the kingdom, for the depth of the Christian maturity, and for more and more numbers to come to know Jesus for the first time. And this will be a sign to them that something is different here. 
that something special is going on in a place which is transformed by Jesus. And for those who aren't part of God's people, well, it'll be a sign that they're missing out. And so, how can we possibly do this? Through weakness, through humility. Uh, Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Uh, If you call yourself a follower of Jesus whatsoever, if you've experienced any benefit from being in relationship with Jesus, which we all have, then be like-minded in everything. What would bring Paul most joy? What brings any leader of a church great joy? To see God's people living in harmony and unity and love for one another. See, when God's people live as one, we're living as we are designed to live. Because Jesus didn't just come for individuals, but for a whole people. It really struck me last month when we had uh, Reese Bazant join us for a live Q&A at the Ridley Certificate. Uh, one of the questions which we asked him was, Reese, what do you think is the greatest threat to the modern church? And now I thought he might say things such as people working, walking away from the authority of the Word of God, uh, maybe religious discrimination, or maybe for him, people forgetting church history. But he said that the greatest threat to the modern church is individualism. And he's right. As soon as we turn inward and just value our own personal preferences, our own interests, our own ambitions, then the church is going to crumble like termite-ridden wood. If you put any pressure on it, it's going to crumble. Now, this doesn't mean that we all have to be uniform. It doesn't mean that we all have to be the same. But in our differences, we can be one as we unite around the word of God and the gospel. Uh, Just think about a symphony playing Beethoven's fifth. Uh, There are times when they all play the same melody in unison, but for the vast majority, they're all playing their different parts, but in their differences, they're all playing the same tune. They're all playing as one. But just imagine that a trumpet player decides to have a bit of an ego and starts playing some Miles Davis over the top of everybody. And then a percussionist starts hopping on the drum kit and plays some ACDC on the drums. The orchestra is no longer one, sounds dissonant and out of tune because people are starting to think of themselves. And that's what exactly will happen if we just go about as individuals. We won't be playing the tunes set out for us by Jesus. And when the world looks in, they'll see a group of people who's no different from them. So the solution? Well, it's humility. Chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And you see, this is really hard. Our human nature, this side of the fall, is just to think of ourselves first. 
our culture is generally all about self-promotion, uh, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or the local news column or in the workforce. So as Christians, we're called to be countercultural in thinking about the needs of others before ourselves, in being proactive into inviting people into our homes, being proactive in serving one another, in supporting one another, and in pointing one another to the grace of Jesus. I'm so thankful here, uh, and so thankful to God, that here at St. Bart's, that people are so ready to do this. Uh, it's amazing that in November alone, that there are 293 partial contacts through St. Bart's Care, and so many more that we just don't know about. And I'm so thankful there are over 250 people who serve here. Thank you so much but also keep on going. We do this all together. We walk in step together, encouraging one another in Jesus and pressing on for the faith of the gospel in humility. But why do we do this? Why be humble? Why not just be living for ourselves? Well, we don't live this way because it's easy. But we live this way because this is exactly how Jesus lived for us, in complete humility. See, this is the radical news of Christmas. This is the difference between Christianity and other religions, that our God would be humble for us. Uh, what type of king steps down from his glorious throne to live with the outcasts? What type of God comes from the glories and greatness of the heavenly realms to be born as a human baby? What type of God who is the one to be praised and exalted forever and ever would let himself be mocked and flogged and spat on for the sake of humanity? What type of God who is immortal would become mortal in order to die for his people? Well, friends, this is our God. This is the God of the Bible. This is our King. This is Jesus, this is what we just celebrated at Christmas time. Uh, Paul describes this so well in what is probably the words of an early uh, Christian hymn or creedal statement. It probably deserves a sermon series in and of itself, but let's go through it together. Uh, 2 verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, if you're a CEO of a big company, uh, this comes with its own perks and own advantages. Uh, maybe a nice, uh, big inner-city office, uh, maybe someone to drive you there, and maybe a lot of leave so you could go on your annual holiday to the Swiss Alps for a skiing trip. Uh, if I was in this position... I would most definitely use all these things to my own advantage. It must be nice to be able to have all these things. Now, Jesus wasn't the CEO of a company, and his perks weren't like our perks, but he had something so much more. Uh, before he came down to earth, he always existed. There was never a time when the word was not. And before he came to earth, he was with the Father in the heavenly realms, had all the perks of being there. 
But he didn't see these things as something to be taken hold of, something to be used for his own advantage, something to take for himself like toilet paper in a pandemic. No. He gave... He's the only one who has ever had any of the credentials to stay in heaven. But he didn't. And he didn't come onto this earth born as a king on a throne into, a, into royalty, but as a helpless human baby born in a small town in a manger. God in flesh. God needing nursing, caring, help to walk. Nappy changes. And he didn't come demanding that people attend to his every need. He didn't demand the best seats of the grand feast of the high flyers of the day. But he came as the lowly carpenter who hung out with the poor, the outcast, the morally corrupt, and put a towel around his waist to wash the dirty feet of his disciples. And at the end of his life, he didn't die at a ripe old age in his nice royal palace and then a big funeral being processed around the city. No. At the age of about 33, he was paraded through the city streets, but carrying the heavy cross as people mocked him. He was nailed nailed to it, his body broken, even though he was completely blameless. Jesus humbled himself to become a man and die the death that we deserve in complete humility, not thinking of his own comfort, but for the needs of others. Yes, friend, God thought of the needs of you. Now, greatest need is salvation from sin and death. And he made this happen. So then, verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Uh, Jesus went from the lowest of the low on the cross and then was exalted to the highest place above all things with God. In fact, the original language says that he was hyper-exalted, incomparable to anything else. He's in a class of his own above all kings, authorities, and so-called deities. He's above all things, including sickness and death. And when he comes again, all creation will come to know that he is the Lord. And those who worship him as the Lord and Savior will be brought into their eternal home with him. And we'll be worshiping and glorifying him for eternity. But until then... This is how we are supposed to live. Just as Jesus did. In humility. In the service of others with all that we are and all that we have. And we don't do this in order to be saved or rewarded. But because we have been saved and served through Jesus. And so the way that we as a church will be humbled and be as one, is to plumb the depths of the gospel together, which will overflow into love and humility towards others. 
reminding ourselves of God's grace through confession every week, by hearing his word taught and read and responding to it and going deeper in small groups, by coming to the table and being refreshed as we taste and see the audio-visual reminder of the gospel in the Lord's Supper, through doing life together as we gather, grow, give and serve and make mature disciples of Jesus Christ. See, we could try just gritting our teeth and working harder. Could work for a tiny bit. But humbly pressing into Jesus and seeing his mercies new every morning will have an everlasting effect. So bring on the new year. It's going to be messy, complicated. But if we take on the New Year's resolution of Jesus by being humble, just as he was for us, it's going to be a great year of mission together. So let's pray and ask God's help with this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have served us to the uttermost. You have come in Jesus that you have come born as a human baby, grew up and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and went to the cross in obedience to you in total humility. And so we pray that you'll unite us as one around you, that you'll unite us as one with your spirit. Lord, help us to be humble so the world may see in and see your grace at work in our lives. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.